we have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Jenna Garcia, back with another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast. After the Nuggets go down, not down, I guess they, yeah, down to Phoenix and come back home tied up. The series is all tied up, two to two. Not what we wanted to see from the Nuggets on the road, and we're going to get into all of it. On today's episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast, after game four, the Nuggets are heading home and actually in about an hour, I'm going to go listen to Mike Malone explain to me why they lost these two games and maybe ask him about his trust issues. We'll see. We'll see. But before we get into all of that, I have to tell y'all, this podcast is brought to you by the Basketball Social House. If you have not checked out this spot and you live in Colorado, this is like, um, you know, Great Wolf Lodge or whatever it's called in Colorado Springs, that like indoor water park where indoor outdoor water park, like in the winter, you can go to a water park in Colorado now. It's like that. Like that is, you know, when that place opened, everybody like was taking their kids there. Everybody was going there for like weekends with their girl um the great wolf lodge i think is what it's called the basketball social house is like just like the great wolf lodge only better because basketball is involved right you have a full nba size five on five gym you have three v three courts you got personalized half court suites the Nuggets Lounge, every Nuggets game on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday is held in the Nuggets Lounge, and you can watch the games there. It's projected on a big screen like a sports book. Um, We watched game three there, me and a bunch of my friends, and a bunch of people who listen to the podcast, actually, and it was just a super fun environment. They have $12, a $12 deal where you get a pizza and a pint of beer, um, it's like a personal size pizza. You could eat it or share it with, between like two people, but really yummy food. Thursday or Friday, they had a taco deal for Cinco de Mayo. So they had really, I, I love their tacos are really good. Um, and it's just like a really fun environment because you can play basketball while you're watching basketball and still eating and drinking great food. And like your kids have space to play. So It's super family-friendly, but also 21 and up areas are available. And yeah, you can rent out a suite for yourself and your friends, kind of like karaoke, but you're in a a basketball suite. So it's got a hoop. You have an aux cord connected to the music, and you can blast your music. Um, And then you have TVs in there in each room, so you can watch the game while you're hanging out with your friends and taking shots. Yeah, we did shots. Lots of shots. Game three. So you got to check out the Basketball Social House. It is the coolest spot in Denver. It's a little bit on the south side, but I promise you it's worth the drive. 
Uh, they got a bunch of cool events coming up. So go to their website, rent out a suite. I know I have a friend who just told me that he was going to rent out his uh, a suite for his son's 11th birthday. So it's super dope for people of all ages. All right, let's get into talking about games three and four because, ah, like, this team loves to do this to us, right? This is a great basketball team. And this series, like, first and foremost, pause and, like, (laughs) take it all in, y'all. This is playoff basketball. I was so hyped for game four. Game three was really fun, too. I guess I just felt like, more confident in the Nuggets in Game 3, and then what Booker showed us in Game 3, him going off, and having Kevin Durant be able to also go off. Like, it's just incredible. Um, Two great offensive players, right? So, Game 4, I was really hyped for. And it was like a playoff game that I will remember forever. A game that was phenomenal talents going head to head like every single possession there was things happening that I was like how is this possible playoff basketball man it was such good such a good game it reminded me a lot of the four overtime game uh versus Portland in Portland a few years ago and I think that was a that was a game three actually but really good game of basketball where you just saw great talents going head to head that's what we watched and witnessed in Phoenix. And to be quite frank, a series doesn't start until you get a win on the road. And neither of these teams have gotten a win on the road. So this series still technically has not started. Let's keep it clear. You know, this this could go to seven. It might. And that's too bad because I would hope that the Nuggets could, you know, um, get some rest we know that they play better off of rest. We know that they shoot better off of rest. We know that they're banged up. Like every team in the playoffs at this point is experiencing fatigue and it's a long season. Probably a good reason why you should cut down the regular season, you know. Then you get a a little bit more from your great athletes in the postseason. We're getting a lot from these guys. Book is putting on a show. Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant, but he's also passing on the torch a little bit. He chose to go to to Booker uh, for a big three in game four, a big three that I felt like was like the nail in the coffin, but Nikola Jokic is relentless, relentless. He continues to go at him even after that bucket. Uh, but yeah, Book put on a show. KD is, is a great player too, and Nikola Jokic is phenomenal. He's a phenomenal player. I really do hope that people are getting different people, right? Like a a wider range of people maybe coming to respect just exactly what he he does. Because KD said it kind of perfectly after game four, just how he's unbotherable. Like you can't mess with this guy. He is not going to change his pace for you. He's going to go at his slow pace which throws everything off, and he has such finesse. I think it's part of why the Nuggets don't get more foul calls 
because Yoke has such finesse and footwork that he leans away and he's making these incredible shots. They're still pushing off and it's still a foul, but most players, I think the the instinct is to push into a body coming against you, right? Like push into that force and Nikola doesn't need to. He leans away from it. He can work around it. Um, and that's probably why he doesn't get as many foul calls, which is annoying, <laughs> very annoying, especially when it is it affects the game for sure. It's probably the biggest reason I don't want to face the Lakers next round because it's just going to be so annoying to watch LeBron and AD and Austin Reeves get a better whistle than Nikola Jokic. It's just out of this world. I know that the referees like check in at halftime. They do a check in. They watch some film, you know, and then at the end of the game, they review how they did and and these things. So I really hope they're learning some things about how biased the game is towards the guard who's driving into the paint versus the big man. Like you can get so many easy calls for guards, it seems like, but if you're, you know, posting up, they're just kind of letting him go to work, and he's getting beat up. Uh, I would want them to get some rest, so that's why I wanted them to wrap it up in four, and then wrap it up in five if they couldn't do four, and now we're gonna at least be going to six, y'all, so they have a big task ahead of them in these next couple of games, I want to believe Book is going to cool off, but, like, I have no proof. This man is on fire, like, literally. And I would love for MPJ to just, like, take some of that vibe, MPJ, you know? Like, get out of this funk. I mean, it is a little bit warranted. I, I don't know. I'm just an outsider looking in. And what I feel like I've been seeing in games two and game, or three and four And even before games three and four, the difference was just like it got exposed in games three and four. Is Jamal maybe going? I feel like they're just copping out or like bailing, settling. Not it's not settling because it's a good game to go to. Like Yoke Murray two man game is effective. It's a good option. It is good offense. But there also has to be something else there. We saw this, I saw this in the Timberwolves series too. Like, it's a weakness when it's all you do, right? Being well-rounded is one of the best qualities this team has. They have AG in the paint who plays a more 90s-style, like, physical basketball. You got Joker with the, (laughs) a Joker, Joker with the finesse in, in his game that's insane. Jamal is a killer when he's on and MPJ also I just like feel like he needs to remember who he is like MPJ is a sniper himself like this man we've seen him get hot we've seen him get hot in a very small amount of time we've seen him get hot in a fourth quarter when it's needed like we've seen him hit game winners this is a really good shooter and for whatever reason it seems like his confidence isn't there where it like normally is during the regular season. And I know like he has that like that in him. I think that he can can have that in him in the postseason too. We've seen it in him in the regular season. So 
Part of the issue, though, is that <sighs> Jamal is got the ball in his hands because he's bringing the ball up the court, right? He's the point guard. He's the decision maker. And ironically enough, I, I spoke to Amin El Hassan about this Nuggets team and why everyone on NBA Today would choose the Lakers over in the first round. They did a segment like a few months ago, right? Saying that if the Lakers face the Nuggets in the first round, that they would all take the Lakers over the Nuggets. And I was livid. So I reached out to Amin, who's been on the pod, friend of the show, and I asked him, you know, like, what the heck? And he was like, a couple of different things, but then he told me that he also wasn't sure if he could trust in this Nuggets team. He said he really likes Joker, you know, Joker and stuff. I don't know why the the why is coming out for me today, guys. Uh, He said he really liked the Joker and everything, but it really came down to Jamal Murray's decision-making. And he wasn't sure he could trust in Jamal Murray's decision-making. And that's how I feel after games three and four. Not because Jamal makes terrible decisions necessarily. Like, he's still a... You know, anytime we crit- criticize these players, like, you have to remember, like, like Joker struggling or Joker having a bad game, quote-unquote. Like, you know, for Joker. He's still, like, the, an amazing player, one of the best players in the world right now. So... Jamal's decision-making is obviously, like, better than my decision-making, better than any one of us who listens to this pod or, you know, guys at the basketball social house who think they all can hoop. Like, you know, all of us are there with uh, in our heads so we think we're as good of hoopers. But, like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's, he's going to the two-man game a lot. He's choosing to involve himself in the offense a lot but and, and Joker in the offense a lot, but... What I like about this team and when I've enjoyed them watching them the most is when all of the guys are involved. Usually KCP has the fewest points. AG, you've gotten him a couple alley-oops. He's gotten a couple dunks up. Maybe he's posted somebody up and bodied them in the paint for a bucket. He's probably got an assist in there. Like MPJ's hit a couple of threes and driven one to the basket. For two... um, And you've had Joker Murray two-man game. But it just takes so much pressure off of both of them when everybody is involved and hitting. And I think you're seeing MPJ, he got up some good shots in game four, so I can't even, like, I don't know if I can go all the way to say, like, he's not involved at all in the offense because he got some shots up, and then he got a really, really bad shot. A really... A three I didn't want to see is what I was calling it last night. A three I didn't want to see in transition, right? Pulls up for it. He gets a steal. It, it comes off in the fourth quarter when you they needed a stop. Not just a stop like a missed bucket. A stop, a steal, some sort of like 24 shot clock violation. Some kind of massive stop. They were needing something like that to change the momentum of that game. And they got it. MPJ steals the ball. And what does he do? He pulls up for a three with like 20 seconds left on the shot clock. His teammates aren't even down on that side of the floor yet. There's one other guy on offense with him down there. And they didn't even have numbers. He had somebody in front of him and and the other guy had a defender too. It just... I needed that. They needed that stop they get the stop and to see it end that way 
crushed my soul a little bit. <laughs> like it was a it was one of those moments when I'm like, okay, show me you're a championship team right now. Championship teams have to make good decisions, not just Jamal on the decision making, Mike too. And I I don't know if Mike's pulling that because He's like, this might be the only time I touch the ball. There have been a lot of fourth quarters, even when he's in the game, like where he's not been in the game. You know what I mean? There's a lot of fourth quarters when Malone sits Mike. And there's a lot of fourth quarters where Mike's in there and he's might as well be on the bench because he's not productive in the fourth. I've asked him about it. I tried to talk to him about how, like, sometimes when he has a quiet first half, he has a massive second half, or vice versa. If he has a big first half, he'll have a quiet second half. And I'm wondering, like, how does he stay engaged? How does he... And he felt like it was a bad timing because in that second half, in that specific game, he had been benched. So he's like, you know, if I'm not in the game, I can't can't be in the game. I can't get shots up, right? But I think what, like... What I'm hoping to see right here is all that maturity that Jamal, you know, his two years, two seasons of not being able to play made him a lot more mature. We've seen lots of indications along the way of this season and even this postseason already where he's chosen the high road. He's chosen to be mature about the situation, talk about his shortcomings, uh, laugh it off. You know, not in a way like I don't expect more of myself, but in a, you know, I'm not going to, this isn't end all be all like mental health, you know, we can't let, okay, I didn't shoot well in a game affect me forever because they got another game coming up, you know? And I thought we've seen some of those indicators. I thought I've seen some reason to believe Jamal has become more mature, but it starting to feel like a kind of a little petty like with Mike and him like why haven't you involved Mike in the offense and I forget which game it was it might have been the Sacramento game final game of the regular season Matt Moore and I were sitting next to each other and Matt said to me you know uh Jamal hasn't has it has like six assists in this fourth quarter and none of them have been to Michael Porter something like that I don't remember the exact number but Point being that he had had a good had a good number of assists in that quarter and been involving the rest of the team and not choosing to involve Mike. And I don't know if that's because like Jamal and Mike Malone's philosophy are so intertwined. Jamal is Mike's point guard, Michael Malone's point guard. Uh, you know, so you really, as the point guard, you kind of are in a tough position where you really have to execute what the coach is asking, and you're the starting point. You have to make sure it happens just like Devin Booker is totally dragging the Nuggets defense to one corner because that's what his coach has, has asked him to do, right? Um, that's the game plan, and he's sticking to the script. And he Booker is a good example in game four. Didn't even have to take every bucket. KD was being selfless. Book in the fourth, he was on fire that entire game. He could have decided, you know what, I'm the only one who's got this, I'm not going to pass the ball, and chooses to pass to Shamit, which really gives them the final stretch that they extend that lead. He held them off. You cannot let Landry Shamit beat you. This is like, I remember a few years ago, I was thinking to myself with the, with the Blazers, like, I cannot believe we're going to have a, um, 
Myers-Leonard game. I cannot believe we're going to have a Myers-Leonard game. We cannot let Myers-Leonard beat us. And we cannot let Landry Shamit beat this Nuggets team. This team is too good. But like I said, they're good as a whole. They're good as a unit, as a team. That's when they play best together. That's when they're most fun to watch. And so what I hope to see over the next two games, three games in this series, is Jamal you know, choose to step up as a leader and show us that he's become kind of that mature leader who doesn't need to take every shot, who can trust his teammates to take some of those shots and to knock them down. You know, it's not just Joker out there. Jamal said that all year long. He said, we have a whole squad around us. They won one without Joker. They won a a bunch of games without Joker. And in that time frame when they were winning, Jamal continuously had that message for, for media that they were good. They're a good team. They're, they have a whole squad. It's not just Joker. Um, I want to see that. Show me that. Let's see that in the postseason. They might have to, based on what happened between Joker and Ishbia last night. We'll get into that after the break. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. talk about what happened with Matt Ishbia. Man, I was rooting for you, Matt. What the heck? What are you thinking? For real, though, like, what is, what are people thinking lately? Like, people are just out here walling out, doing crazy stuff, crazy stuff in the world lately. I have been on a disappointed in society kick for a minute now. Matt Ishbia just coming off a little bit. It's giving, like, privilege I guess like I own the team so I can do whatever I want kind of I don't know man what are you doing why aren't you in an owner's box like a normal owner like I don't know you don't see Stan Kroenke sitting courtside and not that I think Stan cares enough about this team to actually sit courtside you don't see Josh sitting courtside either though um I don't know it's just giving like short 
not even king energy like a little bit i guess if you're a phoenix fan you're probably thinking short king energy i don't know self-centered energy uh maybe he really does believe he's the main character in this story but you're not (laughs) he seems to get it i guess he tweeted out you know that he doesn't think anybody should be suspended and that he doesn't want to be part of the storyline and stuff but it's just like bro i watched the video a hundred times you're holding the ball and keeping it from this man's like from like he's keep like playing keep away almost like little brother big brother thing but i'm the big brother and i'm smaller and not as cool and i know it vibes i don't know such a weird thing to happen because I do truly believe, and I tweeted this out in the moment, like, had that been a regular human, they would have tossed him. They tossed the guy behind him who probably said some things and looked like he kind of shoved, you know, he did put hands on Jokic, but Isaiah Thomas put hands on Yoke. So did Matt Ishbia. I mean, it seemed like a little bit unfair just because it's one, one Nuggets player in there and then all these Suns fans and all, and then a Suns player and one referee. And you got to think like the ref should be protecting the one guy who's versus like, I don't know, this swarm of 15 people who are right there really close to him. It felt really overwhelming to me watching it. Like I would have had anxiety. I had anxiety just watching it and watching it happen in real time was stressful too, because I don't know that like most people really consider the fact that this man grew up in Serbia, not the United States. And I do not care how many years you live in the U.S. Like, when you're in a moment of, like, chaos, your natural instincts are going to come out. And this man's natural instincts are not to back down. We saw it against the Suns a couple years ago. First of all, he didn't even hit campaign in the face. He hit him... Yes, there was contact, but it didn't hit his face, and Cam made it a big ordeal, which then got Joker and Book riled up because Booker doesn't know how to or when to. Just shut up, man. Book, you whine about everything. Literally, somebody the other day compared me to you. They compared me to Devin Booker. They called me, like, my personality, like, a killer, like, like Devin Booker, a shot taker, a risk taker, uh, but I rise to the occasion. And they were, they were trying to compliment me, right? And I literally, the first thing that I said to them was, tell me I don't whine that much, please. Because that's the first thing that comes to my mind, which sucks because this man is an insane athlete and scorer. But, like, it just, just tone it down a little bit, please. I mean, I can't even complain too much because Joker does it too, and it is my least favorite thing that Joker does. But if you've noticed in the postseason, the Nuggets are not whining about calls not nearly as much as they do in the regular season. They could cut it out in the regular season too, but yeah, they they just are aware like they're not going to get calls. They're not the favorite team. Nobody's rooting for them. Not these refs either. The refs are going to help LA. They're going to help the Stars. Booker is a freaking star, man. He's like out of this world right now. He's playing out of his mind. He hit some crazy tough shots and clutch shots, big shots in big moments for sure. But so did Joker. Um, 
And this whole incident with Ishbia and stuff, just, ah, I could see it coming a mile away. Because Joker is not the guy to mess with. And he always runs to the ball to check it in, to like on an inbounds play from the sideline or an out-of-bounds underneath the basket. He is always looking for numbers. He's looking for ways to be efficient in on offense. He knows, like, okay, Akogi's on the ground right now. Give me this ball, give me this ball, give me this ball. I can get it in and play some five-on-four real quick. And he's looking to capitalize on those moments. He's always been like that. This is not like a one-time thing. He goes and tries to get the ball out of the ref's hand usually. But weirdly enough, the ball wasn't in the ref's hand. And let me just tell you, as somebody who gets to sit courtside for warm-ups and a ball comes towards me, I have to pass it back immediately. I'm not supposed to just like hold on to it and play with it, spin it on my finger. I can do basketball tricks, but I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to get it back to the player, to a, actually to a ball boy, who will then pass it to a player development coach, who will then pass the ball to the NBA player. You're not even supposed to pass the ball back directly to them. That's a rule for like anyone who sits courtside. They have rules that they hand out that sit on the back of every chair for the courtside, the players or the fans who sit close enough to the players that they can hear you. They have NBA regulations printed out. I've gone to many games. I've seen this in many stadiums. It's not just the Nuggets Stadium that does it. There is an etiquette that you, as sitting courtside, are expected to maintain. Just because you are... A person with a lot of money, which unfortunately in our society, that's one of the things that gets you more privilege. This guy thinks he can just hold on to the ball and do whatever he wants. And it doesn't come off very well either when post-game Devin Booker's saying, yeah, Ishbia did his job. He got us some points. Like, that comes off as cheating, bro. (laughs) I don't know. Like, for being an epic scorer... You, I wouldn't be giving anybody any credit for the for those points except for yourself, after what you did. So, and to do it like that to like degrade your win by calling it like by getting a couple of points. Like, luckily this game wasn't decided by a, a basket, because had it been, people would be in outrage. People who betters would be losing their shit for real. All that to say, like I said, he tweeted out he doesn't think Joker should be suspended. Hopefully the league takes that into consideration. But he could be suspended, and this team is going to have to step up, period, whether he's suspended or not. Like, this team is going to have to step up. AG, you got to play on the road, my boy. MPJ, remember who you are. You're a killer. Like, you can hit big shots. Don't forget it. Go in with that mindset and knock down the shots that you get and Jamal, pass the rock. It's okay. Trust your teammates, right? Like, it kind of comes back to these trust issues, and it comes down to trust issues when it comes to Malone and the differences we've seen from Malone to Monty in this series as well. You've seen Monty Williams try everything. He's going with everybody. <laughs> he has tried every one of his bench players, maybe, like, up to, I know he ran in 11 deep, in one game, so um, he's tried it all. He's at least willing to risk the biscuit enough for a couple of minutes, for a quarter, 
and trust his offensive production, trust that KD and Book are going to keep him afloat while he tries out Damian Lee, Akogi, Torrey Craig, Wallace, uh, Landry Shamit. You know, he tried everybody. And guess what? Last night he got one. He got the guy. He picked the right guy and had him on the floor at the right time to hit some big shots. And I talked, I alluded to it earlier, but Devin Booker is doing a lot of that work. Kevin Durant is also contributing there because he's on the floor. He's drawing attention. They're double teaming these guys who are great offensive players. They're dragging two defenders over to one corner and then swinging the ball to the other corner where Shamit is wide open. Yeah, not on the first three, not on the second three, not on the third three. He was open for all those threes. But even on the fourth and fifth three he made, he was pretty open. He had time to get that shot off, which is preposterous. We cannot let Landry beat us. I'm having PTSD a little bit because he did this a couple years ago too. He had a Landry Shamit game. Given it was one game, and at the end of the day, this team is comprised of more players who can actually get buckets, who can actually defend, than the Suns team. At the end of the day, I still believe this Nuggets team comes out on top because as a whole, they are a more well-rounded team. We just haven't seen them play like that for two games. Love to see more of that soon. And like I said earlier, we're about to talk to Michael Malone who's flying in from Phoenix, I believe, and then coming to speak to media. So we're about to hear exactly what his game plan is. Up until this point, he hasn't taken those kind of risks that the Suns have taken. Up until this point, he stuck with his eight guys and really used them in creative ways. He has been flexible with how he uses them, but he hasn't really gone deeper into the bench to think about someone he hasn't used yet, one of the rookies, Peyton Watson, I don't know, Vladko. They haven't dipped into that pot of guys yet. I don't know if they consider it Smith. I don't know. I don't think Reggie and Thomas are good options just because they weren't productive in their time with playing on the court with the other players After the trade, it didn't work for a while there in the regular season. But the trust issues, and I guess the buck, stops with Coach Malone, right? At the end of the day, he's their leader, he's their coach, and the buck always is going to stop with him. So I wonder, you know, what we'll see from Coach Malone. And if he's asking Jamal to trust in his teammates... How can he model that for Jamal by trusting in his team as well, right? Getting, trusting in some of those players that we've yet to see out there. And, of course, I'm really curious about how he plans to involve Michael Porter Jr. in this series. Because before the season started, or before the series started, excuse me, I predicted that MPJ would be the X Factor, And to this point, we saw him have one good game in this series. One. I mean, game four, he had a double-double, which isn't bad, right? He's rebounding. But this is a 
guy averaging 12 points per game in this series when he should be averaging 20. He's a 20-point-per-game kind of player. We just need to see it. Maybe he's dealing with some fatigue we don't know about. We're going to find out. But we're also going to find out who has less trust issues, Malone or Monty Williams, and who has a better team here. And we've seen Monty kind of win the trust issues part of this, but I think Malone's going to win the better team. And I think this team will defend when it comes down to crunch time. I really believe they were going to actually steal game four. There were so many moments where it was within reach. They just needed to hit one big shot. And they didn't hit those shots. I think they'll hit them in game five for sure. If it has to come down to game seven, I know that Ball Arena is going to show up for it. And I'm excited. We'll be back with another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast later this week. And make sure to check out the Basketball Social House if you're looking to watch one of these games. It's the best spot in town to watch Nuggets basketball.